I invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We'll be looking at this prayer from the Apostle Paul, as we often do in the evening service when we have a prayer time following the exposition of D.A. Carson in his book, A Call to Spiritual Reformation. We're going through the, the books, the, the prayers that the Apostle Paul has in some of his epistles. And so we'll be focusing on verses 9 through 10, but we'll be reading, um, we'll be reading 9 down to verse 20 to get some context and also to just read through some wonderful passages of who our Lord is and what he's done. Let us give a careful and loving attention to God's word. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is our God. This is his word. Just a little over a year ago, I had the chance to go down to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and do two weeks of intensive Counseling. I was taught by a chaplain, mentored by a chaplain of 30 plus years who's a licensed counselor. One of the benefits of being a chaplain, the army pays me to get great schooling from uh, an expert. And it came at a particularly good time because I had been out of seminary for five years and had done a little bit of counseling in church and, and done a little bit of counseling in the army. And I had realized at that point that, um, I could use some more training. Now, I got a little bit when I was in seminary. You get a tiny bit in seminary. And I got a little bit in my chaplain basic course. But it was small. And also, I didn't know what I didn't know. right? So a lot of this stuff was going over my head. Well, now after five years, I'm kind of finding out, okay, well, this is what's helpful. This is what's not. But I also have all these questions. Well, you know, what about this situation? And so because I had been practicing for five years... I came with a whole lot of questions, right? And I was, I was just soaking up those two weeks. It was, it was really uh, an opportune time for the Lord. And I came back much more competent, or at least confident, that, okay, yeah. I, it was so helpful. And maybe you've had that, that type of experience before. You learn something, 
And then you try it out and that, that leads to questions and you go back and you learn something, you learn more. Or maybe you do something and, and you do it kind of okay, but you run into some problems and you say, well, well, how could I do this better? What, what would be a better way? And so that drives you to learn, which then drives you to practice. That's, a, that's kind of a cycle of learning and doing that God has made in us. But Paul actually prays for something like this and it's not, it's not just a, um, a, a vicious cycle, but really a spiral. That Paul is calling us to go from knowledge to obedience to a deeper knowledge that draws us up into the glory of the Lord. Something I would like to call the glory spiral, right? Where you, you learn about God's will, which leads to obedience and his pleasure, which leads to a deeper knowledge of himself, which then drives you even more to obey him. This spiral should be our desire, and as we're seeing how Paul prays, it should also be one of the categories that we have, one of the lenses that we have to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So what do we learn when we look at Paul's prayer? Well, first, pray for a knowledge of God's will. Pray for a knowledge of God's will. Um, Now, clearly, this is connected to doing God's will, but it also implies a deeper understanding of who God is, why his law is important, why it's special. Now, this is very simple, right? Christianity is very simple. It's just hard. It requires God's grace. We think about what, what are we praying for? We're, we're praying for the foundation of our faith here. We think about what is in our catechisms. We're catechizing Sam right now. He can say the first three of the little baby believer's catechism, right? Um, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, our confession. We need to pray that, that our children, that our brothers and sisters in the Lord would be growing in the knowledge of, of God's will. You know, we've, we've heard from um, brothers such as Rich Gardner that the Lord is doing wonderful things in Africa. And we hear this also in, in China, in South America. But the leaders there would say our foundation is, is thin. It's weak. We're wide. But we're not deep. I would say this is the case, too, of young Christians today in America, many of them, including young churches in America that are kind of growing up by the work of the Spirit, kind of either shooting off from old churches or even on their own. They are a youth group that comes up and they love Jesus and they're doing all these amazing things. But their foundation is thin. And yet these basic building blocks are the foundation upon which the church rests. And without it, any church, any person can be easily swept away. And so one of my prayers, I think we should pray for some of these new churches that are cropping up. We could, you know, we could talk about how they don't get this and they don't get that and they're missing this. And there are some new churches that are concerned and they have some real issues, but there are also ones who really love Jesus. And some of them are big. They just, they're a youth group. The North Jersey starts 100 people and before you know it's 1,500. They've got a staff. They're doing all these great things for the Lord. It's an encouragement. But there's also a fear. If their foundation are, is an inch or too thick, they are just a pastor or a session or whatever their board is away from losing the gospel. Right? And so we should pray that they, they grow in the knowledge of who God is and Jesus is and that they are grounded in why their love is, is so important. Now, of course... Mere knowledge is, is not enough to produce godliness. You, you can be fully versed in the confession, fully versed in the, in the biblical story arc. You could know all the things that, that Pastor Brent mentioned this morning about Jesus in the Old Testament and have a dead, cold heart. 
Right? You can know something and it means nothing to you. Ever had that? You know, you were forced to learn something? Uh, when I was junior, I think in junior high, some point in my homeschooling tenure, times of homeschooler, we were required by PA state law to teach um, civics, a class on state civics. I love homeschooling. We plan to homeschool our kids, but it's a double-edged sword because you're only as good as your text and your teacher. And in this case, the teacher was me, and the text was this dusty old green tome about PA state history, and I just had to read through it. I had no context. I just remember reading about the Green Party and the Republican Party and the Democratic Party from the 1800s. It was, it was torturous, right? I, I, had, I didn't know the story. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how it connected to me. And yet you could have made me memorize it, but it was the dullest thing in my life. I didn't know how it connected to me. I didn't know what was going on. We can do that with Scripture, too. Just knowing the facts doesn't make us godly. Someone said that knowing God's will is like putting down kindling. But the Spirit has to light the fire. But that's why Paul has a second part in, in verse 9. He says, he's, we, we cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That, that Paul says, pray that God would give people a, a hunger and a thirst for wisdom and to know how to live out this will. Another way to pray for your brothers and sisters is then that they would just love to hear the simple gospel. And you know, for us, especially as Reformed Christians, maybe we need to pray this. Not, Not that we get the deep stuff, but that we love the simple stuff. If perhaps the church at large needs a deeper faith, could it be that we in the Reformed Church need a deeper excitement for our simple faith? Right. Do, you, do you love to tell the story? Love to sing that song, the gospel? Do you love to hear the gospel over and over again? Do you love to, do you love to read that story? Right now, our family's doing one half of the Robert Murray Machine Plan. They get you through the, the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once. If you're reading four chapters a day, we're reading two chapters a day. But we just decided we're going to go through it. And it's, it's the, the side of the New Testament it's just straight Gospels. Love the Gospels, but we're, we're, reading, we're just reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. A lot of repetition. And so, as I'm, as I'm reading the same thing from, from different angles, and it's, it's, it's not a complete repetition, but do I love to hear this story over and over? And the question is, is this simple truth precious to me? As a, a letter to, or from Elizabeth might be, that I might read over and over and over and drink in. So we need to pray for a deep faith, but also pray for an excited faith that, that is okay with hearing the, the simple gospel over and saying, yes, I still need this. I love how Paul models, how Paul models both depth and excitement um, when he prays. He's excited, and yet you see, he, he's deep. He, he connects people to the store. You've been rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. He connects people to Jesus. This is your Lord who is the creator of the world, the ruler of the church. This is the will of God. And he says, when you know it, your life, when you know God like this, as you grow in this knowledge, your life will change. So Paul has the purpose in verse 10. I, we pray for this so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit. There's a reason. I just want to stop here. This is an insight from 
from Carson in his book, Paul prays for something here, fruit, that the Christians already have. In the previous paragraph, he gives thanks to God for the fruit the Colossians have been bearing. And yet he feels the need to keep on praying for them. And that's, that's kind of interesting, right? Um, because it says that you and I still need prayer. We might be on a spiritual high right now. The Lord might have given you a victory in some sin, or you just, you, you're just loving to be in the Word. You, you, you've, you're able to sacrifice. You still need prayer. You haven't arrived. I'm not sure if it's here, but I know certainly with my soldiers, prayer has a stigma attached to it. Like, do you, you know, hey, can I pray for you? No, chaplain. I'm good, right? Like, if my aunt has cancer, I'll let you know, right? Uh, if I lost my job, I'll let you know. I would appreciate it when you do that, because that's when I really need it. But I'm, you know, I'm doing okay right now. Well, maybe you don't want to be identified with your weaknesses, even in your strengths. But Paul coveted prayer. And so should you. You need to get over it. We should always say, yes, please pray for me. Even if I'm on a high, pray that the Lord would continue to give me grace, that my heart would not go cold, that he would give me deeper insight into himself. Really then, think about, we need to pray that we continue to bear fruit. And the litmus test of our theology, at least one of them, is that it leads to loving obedience. And if you're, if you're growing in theology and your love of God and it doesn't change you, then your theology is defective. Maybe not the truth of what you're learning, but your understanding of it is defective. If you, if you learn about the glory of God and it doesn't change the way you, you think and live, then, then you haven't experienced this glory. There needs to be a what that comes with every truth that, that leads to action. My professor of New Testament, uh, Dr. Beale, was an expert in the use of the Old Testament in the New. And he would search for what they would call allusions, right? So this, these wouldn't be direct quotations, but, you know, kind of if you would throw out four score and seven years ago, people know that you're alluding to the Gettysburg Address. And so he would look in the New Testament for, for patterns that he'd say, I, th- I, think, I think the author has Psalm 3 in mind. And so he would come home to his wife and say, Dear, it's incredible. I found another illusion. It's amazing. And she'd say, she'd always say to him, that's great, dear. But why does it matter? Not because she wasn't interested, but she didn't want him just to stop at, okay, I found another piece of data that I can file away. How does it show you the glory of God's plan better that leads to action? We can't come to the Holy God of Scriptures and meet with them without experiencing at least some of the letters and the simple acts across the, that were moved to adoration. We're, we're, we confess and repent our sins. We're, we're thankful. We ask for God to do something. Pray for the grace and strength to carry out as well. These things must move us. I think here's the beauty of the Christian faith. that The deeper our theology, it can actually lead to the sharper the application. That the deeper you go, the more powerful the action should be that come from it. I was, I guess last year, kind of wrestling with the eternal subordination of the Son. There's some, some questions about how the Trinity relates to each other, and it's, it, it flows out into some of the, the, the headship conversations that go around. There's other issues as well. Um, 
And I was reading a book on it that was a little bit above my level, to be honest. But it was, it was written by a man with a pastoral heart. And I will tell you, coming to that book, just the fact of realizing the limitations of what we know about God. There's, there's things that we clearly know, but when you come to say, okay, well, God is like, not quite like this, but, and you stop. And you realize, although we know him truly, he's, he's so much more incredible. That, that led me to worship it, in a way that I would say caused me to treat other people with more love as I'm, as I'm living in awe of God. And so wherever it is, maybe you are caught right now. The Lord is caught in a good way. Maybe the Lord has just given you this desire for, for a strand of theology. And you're reading a book or you're tracing it through the, the scripture and you're studying. That's awesome. But as you're doing this, saying, Lord, how can I love you better and people better because of that? Right? And pray for others that it would be the same, that as, as they study and go deeper, they would bear fruit. Well, Paul says, though, this is, this is the cycle continues, right? And so at the very end of verse 10, after he says, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, He gives a second purpose, that as you do God's will, you're going to actually grow deeper in your knowledge of him. There are some things about God that you can only learn through obedience. You can know that God is is full of love and compassion, but if you refuse to show compassion to others, you're not going to experience God's grace saying, as you sacrifice, you are in some way realizing how I have shown compassion for you. You've cut yourself off from that. If you know that God is merciful and full of grace, but you refuse to take inventory of your own hearts and you do not confess your sins, then you'll never know the freedom and liberation of receiving God's mercy. You may be able to trace out the, the golden chain of salvation. You know, know the order salutis from, from the beginning to end. Know about all about election and predestination and, and all the calling and how that works as far as we can tell in Scripture. But if you're not praying for the salvation of your friends and when the Spirit nudges you, you don't move forward. I'm telling you, there's a way in which you don't know about regeneration. D.A. Carson, not in his book, but he, he gave an illustration, a story another time when he was in his Ph.D. studies in England and his professor was not a Christian and his professor was just kind of waxing eloquently. Do we really know if there's the regeneration? That's in John. And he said he just kind of sat back inside and laughed because he had been out preaching in one of the village squares. He'd been doing street preaching and the town drunk was converted. See, he knew, he experienced not just, not just what Paul said about it. He saw it. He witnessed it. It's power. When God presents you an opportunity for obedience, he is inviting you into a deeper and more intimate knowledge of himself. And in fact, often the parts that are so hard, where we don't think we have the strength to do it, when we step out in faith, we realize that God is more powerful than we are. And he can meet us where he puts us there. We should pray for those opportunities for ourselves and other people. Pray for this glory spiral that we will go from knowing God's will to obeying him to a deeper knowledge of him. 
We're, we're about to start in Sunday school the whole Christ. It's going to be some great historical theology that we can really sink your teeth into. Um, I pray we learn a lot from it. But I also pray that we have this in mind. We'll be praying this for each other, that as we grow in a knowledge of God's will, there will be obvious in our own lives applications of what God is working in us. Let us pray. Father, give us these categories. We want to think clearly. We want to obey and love clearly. Help us to be people that are hungry and thirsty for your word and then are not only hearers, but doers of it. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time, I'll give us the benediction and then we will continue to our prayer time. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.